If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. Well, good morning. It's time for us to get started. We are so glad you're here today, and uh, we're going to be spending some time looking through First uh, and Second Timothy. So, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up there uh, to First Timothy. We still got a, a lot coming in. I can see in the parking lots we got some folks uh, with the fellowship meal today. People are bringing in food and all kinds of stuff. So, we're looking forward to doing that together in a little bit. Uh, if you have your Bibles, like I said, turn up to First uh, Timothy chapter three. That's where we're going to. We're going to start off in our time together this morning. Uh, we are, I guess, kind of concluding the series on asking for a friend, and I still have two or three questions that we want to get to. We'll do that in between over the next few weeks, but uh, one of the questions that we talked about, and it was brief, but we did talk about um, the leadership of the church. We talked specifically about the women's role in the church back some uh, Wednesday nights ago, several weeks. And so we thought maybe it would be good for us to talk a little bit this morning about leadership. Uh, now, uh, last week or two weeks ago, I went to Snook Christian and did chapel. And I took a big staff with me. I don't have it over here with me today. But I bought it at an antique store uh, called Mom's Antique uh, in, Flo- in Florence. And so it stands like this tall. It's got the hook on the end. And I ta- talked to the kids about why shepherds carried those. And I showed them how the little crook on the end, that little hook part, uh, they would take the sheep and drag it to safety. So that way the shepherd didn't have to get into danger. But it also could ward off the enemy. Uh, You can pop them in the head, pop a a wolf in the head with it. Uh, Or you can use it to guide. And many times in the Old Testament we find characters like Moses and others that use their staff uh, to be able to hold up, uh, to be able to, 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 to show the people the direction that they need to go. So... Uh, as I talked to him about that, and I showed him how to pull, I br- actually brought a little dog, stuffed dog of Isaac's, and uh, I, I can't even remember what I called the dog, but anyways, I had a name for him, and I had him over there, and I showed him how you can hook the neck with that crook, and I said that the reason why it's so long, one of the reasons it's so long, is so the shepherd did not have to place himself in danger if it was on the edge of a cliff, because if the shepherd were to fall, all of the sheep would be in danger. And the reason why is because that sheep, if it were to fall, the other sheep, sheep are not very smart. So um, if one jumps, they all jump. And so if you're able to pull it back to safety, all of your sheep should be safe. But if one of them jumps off, the rest might jump. So the idea is uh, that, that we need shepherds that are going to try to keep us safe, make sure that there's not any danger around us. And I, of course, used uh, 
Matthew uh, chapter, no, Luke chapter 15 about the, the sheep that went astray. And I also use Psalm 23, the good shepherd example of God and his relationship with David. So uh, this has been on my mind the last few weeks about the need for good, strong leadership. So the first thing we want to talk about, and there's two, we're going to talk briefly about uh, ministers at the end, but mainly just going to talk, focus on the elders and the deacons. So the first thing that we need to know is that as a church, New Testament church, we have elders, we have shepherds. Uh, there are a couple different terms, actually three different terms that are used in the passages we'll look at this morning. But the first time we see this is Paul is appointing elders in Acts 14.33. And so when he gives the qualifications here to, to Timothy uh, and to Titus, uh, and Peter gives a couple in 1 Peter 5, it's because the apostles were dying out. Now, you know, in Acts chapter uh, 2, after the church is established, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So that means that the apostles were teaching, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus required of New Testament Christians, including building his church. And of course, he gives Peter the keys of the kingdom. So Peter is preaching, teaching, as the other apostles are, what the kingdom is supposed to do, how it's to be built, how it's to be organized. And as the apostles are serving, and you, if you will, kind of like, like elders, they're dying out. And so they make this decision that they want to have men in every church that can shepherd. And so Paul is the first example of someone who's appointing individuals. Now, he does tell Titus that that's one of the main reasons why he left him there in Crete was to help establish elders. So we get the sense that if you're going to be a strong, faithful, um, healthy church, you need to be training leaders for positions of leadership, elders, deacons, and so forth. Uh, but there are other terms used, like, for instance, the term overseers. And I give you a little brief definition here. The word elder affirms it's someone who is older. Uh, if you want to be specific, Paul does that for us in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He talks about older widows. So what is older to Paul? Well, Paul says 60 is older. That doesn't mean that a man can't serve as an elder when he's in his 50s or in his 40s. But Paul uses the term older, and, and it's used by Dr. Luke in Acts 14, that it means someone who is older among the flock. So uh, it might be more healthy for the church to have men who are seasoned Christians, men who have walked the faith. They have tried their very best to live and to serve God for many years in their life. And there's nothing wrong, like I said, with, with having somebody, if you're appointing an eldership and you got somebody that's a little bit younger than 60 that needs to serve, the idea is, again, that they are seasoned. I know from experience, I've been raised in the church and been preaching for nearly 30 years, and sometimes I've seen congregations that will appoint someone as a shepherd that are in their 30s, and uh, it doesn't always work well. Because sometimes, uh, those of us who are a little younger, I'm in my mid-40s now, but some of us who are a little younger, we think differently. We're a little more impulsive. Uh, we Younger generations tend to do things based on what they think the younger generation needs. Uh, you see this in churches now, where a lot of congregations are catering ministries. They're catering uh, worship to more a youth-oriented culture. Uh, so the, the, the preachers are looking like, uh, you know, millennials. When they're in the pulpit, they, they dress a certain way, they act a certain way. Uh, it's all about the image. 
But the older we get, we realize that the fundamental part of serving God is staying in unison with Scripture. Whatever the Bible says, that's what we practice. And sometimes that means we can't follow the culture. We can't do what culture demands. We have to be more focused on a, a biblical framework. And that actually helps with older Christians. They're a little wiser, more seasoned. Uh, they've experienced different changes within the church over the years and can give a better uh, analysis, if you will, of how to, how to grow and how to stay, stay um, in tune with the Word of God. Another term is overseer. Now, it's translated bishop in uh, the King James Bible. And so the word bishop basically means an overseer that is a manager or an administrator. So uh, we have, and all of these terms, by the way, are all male terms that are used as an example here. So the bishop or the overseer, the administrator, is the one who takes care of the day-to-day -day duties. So there are certain things that uh, you'd use this term for in Greek culture for someone that who maybe is a manager of a bank or uh, a manager of, a, of a, a store of some kind. So uh, it's good for elders to have good business sense. There are certain parts of the work that include business-oriented uh, activities. And then the term pastor, which of course is my favorite, and, and it's because I love the idea of being a shepherd, someone who cares for the weak, someone who is visiting the sick, someone who is counseling uh, those that are weak or have fallen. And that term is used frequently in Scripture too. And all three of those terms, this is very important, all three of those terms are the exact same role. So, uh, for instance, if you are a dad, uh, that's a role that you fill. You, you are a dad, right? But if you become the coach of your son's or daughter's ball team, you become coach. If you teach at their school, you become teacher. So you may have different terms used for you, but the same person. So whenever these terms are used, it's referencing someone who's in the position of an elder that is either shepherding or managing, and they're all the same role. So the qualifications are found in 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1, and then uh, briefly in 1 Peter 5 and verse 3 when it talks about not lording over the flock, and that's a term that Jesus uses in his ministry. In fact, he tells his disciples, don't lord it over the flock like the Gentiles do. And that's the same phraseology. It sounds strange, lord it over, and it grabs our attention because later Peter uses the same phrase, don't lord it over the church. So in other words, when you have that staff, right, that I talked about earlier, you're not hitting people with it all the time. You're using it to ward off the enemy. One of my favorite stories is about a friend who went to uh, Israel, and he was visiting, and he was talking to his, his, uh, his people on the bus about how, you know, there was all these sheep out here in the pasture, and said, you know, a good shepherd loves his sheep, and he cares for his sheep, and he anoints them with oil, and he goes through all these wonderful illustrations, and as they are making their way into town, they see this guy guiding the sheep, and I mean, he's just beating the living snot out of these sheep. He's just hitting them, and he's hitting them. And the guy says, pull the van over. And he gets off the bus, and he goes out there, and he says, what are you doing? He said, I have been, I have been on the bus telling people that shepherds love their sheep, and they're taking care of their sheep, and you're out here just abusing these animals. And he said, well, you've got me mixed up. I'm not a shepherd. I'm leading these to the slaughter. And so he was actually leading those sheep to a place where they would kill them because they had to eat them, right? Needed the wool. And so <laughs> that's not the role of a New Testament shepherd, is not to beat the sheep. Uh, the idea is guiding the flock. So let's look here in 1 Timothy 3, and let's notice a few of these qualities that are mentioned for shepherds. 
says, therefore, a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, again, overseer, elder, he desires a good work. A bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of a devil. So, I want to notice just a few things. We'll come back and we'll talk about these if you have some you want to uh, separate individually. Uh, elders are appointed by the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about that to the elders in Ephesus, Acts chapter 20, uh, when he calls them. Anytime there is an emergency or there is a serious issue that needs to be talked about, the elders meet. And he says, I need you to meet me. And they meet him at the seaport. Uh, he tells them basically goodbye. He doesn't know if he's going to see them again. They, they weep and they cry, but he tells them there, you have been appointed by the Holy Spirit. And so we will often, uh, in times where we're appointing a new elder or a new eldership, maybe if you're part of a congregation that doesn't have elders, the quality, qualifications will be read. You might have a checklist, and then the congregation is asked, uh, who, what men do you think would fill these roles? Now, uh, this is a little bit of a source of contention because the question is, who appoints the elders? Well, elders can't appoint themselves, so Paul tells Timothy to appoint the elders. And so it is his responsibility. A congregation should have a, a part of that process, but it is Timothy's role, he says, to appoint these men. He says the same thing to Titus in Titus chapter 1. It's different when there already is an eldership. If there is an eldership, then the current elders should have a part of that process in selecting someone or, or many uh, to join, but they are appointed by the Holy Spirit. We pray together, uh, and if you will, it's kind of like, a, biblically speaking, like an anointing. They are supposed to be uh, the ones who God has set apart to serve, just like Moses did in the, in the wilderness, you know, when his father-in-law told him, you know, you're wasting your time, you're, you're, you're not at home, you're not taking care of your family, you need men, and he appoints elders to sit at the city gates and help in making decisions. And so that is, that is very important. The Holy Spirit will guide them. Uh, also, you must desire the position. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, just real quickly insert a thought here. I've known many a good men who uh, have been asked to serve as shepherds of the church. And whether it be by the preacher or the current eldership, they say, we would really like for you to serve in this capacity. And many times I will hear, well, I don't desire it. So that's the first qualification. And so we're done here. I don't desire it. Let me, let me put it this way, very, very plainly. If you and I want to serve God for the rest of our life, and we believe in uh, the unity and harmony of the church, and we believe that the best of ourselves and our talents should be used to the glory of God, and we believe that the congregation needs to be guided by spiritual people, and we believe that the church is supposed to follow the pattern of the New Testament, then we need to take that in consideration before we say, I don't desire it, so therefore I'm out. I will say to you, and I've said this before, I've had people get upset with me, and I, I, I understand that. Every, this is my thought, every Christian man 
Every man, every Christian man should look at these qualities and say, if I want to serve the Lord to the best of my ability, then I want to fulfill these qualities. Every Christian man should desire to have these qualities in their life. And so therefore, if you're asked, do you desire it? Now, I'm always nervous about the guy who campaigns for it, you know, that comes in. We had a guy one time at a congregation we were at, and he came in the door shaking hands, and wearing a name badge, and you know, I've been an elder at two churches, so I would love to be an elder here. And I, I told the elders, I said, be careful, that guy. He is dangerous. And within two, three months, it was the, th- the third month he was there, they got tired of him annoying them, and so they finally put him in as an elder. Huge mistake. Colossal mistake. Because he was campaigning for the job. So if somebody comes and says, well, when I'm an elder of this church, if I become an elder of this church, that's not a person. They're already missing some of the other qualities in the list. But I do believe that every Christian man ought to look at this list and say, if I really want to serve God to the best of my ability, I should try to meet these qualities. Now, we're going to fall short sometimes. There's going to be some on the list. Maybe you say, you know, I need to work in that area. But it should be, this ought to be somewhere in our house. If you're a Christian man, maybe on the inside of your Bible, if you want to be a great leader of God, these are qualities you should strive for. Um, Not every man's going to meet the qualities, but you should look at that list and say, I really want to serve God to the best of my ability. Terry? Yes. No, if they're the husband of one wife, they've had one wife. Uh, So sometimes, and this happens too, when uh, men serve as shepherds, their wife may die while they're in the office. And um, I had a congregation once in Idaho. They called me, and I met with the elders at the congregation. They said, we have a man who was a great guy, and his wife had passed. And they said, "Um, what are your thoughts? Because their preacher had a view, uh, and I had a view, and so they said, we want to hear the other. And I said, well, if a man is, is in the eldership, he's serving the church, and his wife passed away, he's still the husband of one wife. I don't see why he should have to step down. Um, now, if there are some of the other qualities that, uh, you know, there's, there are missed, but that's my opinion. That's just my opinion. Um, I think if a man says, I think I need to step aside, he should step aside if he feels that way. But I don't think that disqualifies you for, for being uh, a widower. Uh, and, and in the case of, I was at a congregation that we had an elder who was a widower for seven years, and he served as an elder of our congregation, and he was the oldest standing elder in our congregation. And I can't, I can't imagine what meetings would have been like if his wisdom wasn't present. I mean, he's a guy who was an elder, uh, a presbyter at the Presbyterian Church when he was in his 30s. And uh, he heard the truth, obeyed the gospel, became a Christian. Uh, he was a great teacher. Uh, and he became educated in the Word of God. He began teaching others, teaching his family members, baptizing people. And when it came time to be asked, he was hesitant, but he did accept the call. And so when his wife died, he'd been an elder for probably 20, 30 years at that point. And we were very blessed because he had a perspective. He had been raised in denominationalism, and he came out of that. Uh, he had a, a, you know, three children that were very good and faithful members of the church. And so I can't imagine what would happen if, if he had been pushed out. But there are people who have opinions on that. And again, it's a matter of opinion. Uh, but if you're the husband of one wife, I say you're the husband of one wife. That should be, that should be fine. Um, they need to be blameless, above reproach, able to teach. That means to be able to teach someone what you know. Uh, some people might say, well, they need to be a teacher in Bible class. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think it would be, it would be really good if every elder could get up publicly and teach. I think that if there is no one available, the elders should lead uh, the classes. Um, but sometimes uh, people say, well, that means you have to be a public teacher. And I don't necessarily agree with that. 
um, respected by others, both, and he, he uses the qualification here inside and outside of the church. Um, so you need to have a, a good reputation. A hospitable, that means you need to have people in your home. You need to be able to uh, take care of individuals that are in need, uh, showing a lot of compassion. Temperance is a big one. Uh, you, if you serve as a shepherd, and by the way, if you do not do this already, I'm going to urge you, if you've got a prayer list somewhere in your house, or uh, if you've got a, a specific time that you pray, you should pray for our elders every single day. You should pray for them, because there's a lot of times things are done, they have to deal with a lot of stuff that you and I will never know about, and praise God, we don't have to, but they, they have a lot of stress. Uh, pray for their wives, too, because there's a lot of things, they come home and they say, we can't talk about this, and uh, a lot of prayer goes into that, so you need to be temperate, you can't fly off the handle. Uh, self-controlled, you, you, somebody shouldn't have to tell you to chill out, um, so that's, that's Ray Reynolds' translation. Uh, only one wife uh, must be quick-tempered, not a brawler, not a fighter, not somebody who's looking for uh, an argument. Uh, also, it says not given to drunkenness, not drink wine. That's very important for a shepherd to set the right example. Not covetous, so he's thinking about others, not himself. Um, when it comes to the lover of money, again, the idea is that uh, they are able to maintain, they are able to manage the finances of the church without a fear of taking some or misusing some. And so you got some others here and here, quarrelsome. Uh, I've read through these already, but holding to scriptural truths is a very important thing, is that our elders know what the Word of God teaches, and it's very important to, uh, for the shepherds to maintain a good relationship with the elder or with the preacher, because the preacher, if he's teaching something that's inaccurate, they have to call him on that. Uh, if, if I say something that is false, they have to call me on that. They say, hey, you know, you're, we're held accountable. Um, in fact, Paul argues that the teacher position is probably one of the uh, most difficult that we will have because it, it raises the level of judgment for someone who teaches. So our elders have to make sure that what is taught from the pulpit is scriptural and it is accurate. Uh, and again, good reputation inside and outside. Um, that's the same slide, isn't it? Oh, uh, love what is good, so forth. What about uh, any of these others that you want to tackle before we get to the role of deacons? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yes, and I, I don't know, I, I, I didn't know whether to tackle that now or at the end here. There are qualifications for the elders' wives, too. Um, being, again, being raised in the church my life, I've seen many a good men, I mean good, honest God-fearing, sincere, humble, compassionate, Christ-like men that cannot be put in the eldership because of their wives. And that's, that's sad, that's sad. But, uh, so the wives do have a quality, and it's, it actually gives a list here for both the elders and the deacons, I believe. So here, here if you go on down with me, let's focus verse 11. He says, likewise, their wives and I believe this goes for deacons and elders, must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. So there are those qualities that a woman must also possess. So a man can be qualified or disqualified based on his wife. And, you know, sometimes people will look at the elders and say, well, we need an elder, and he's here every time the doors are open, so let's just 
appoint him. And a lot of prayer has to go into someone who's picked to be a shepherd of the church. And it includes their wives. They're kind of, sadly, they live in a fishbowl. Um, it's one reason why a lot of men do not serve is because their wives say, I don't want to be in the spotlight. And I respect that. I totally do respect that. But, um, but these are qualities every woman should look at and say, well, if I want to be uh, recognized in such a way to be a good, good wife of one of the church leaders, these are things that I need to strive for. And so I think that goes for both elders and deacons. Uh, any other thoughts before we move to the deacons? All right, so let's look at this list here, beginning at verse 8. He says, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also be first tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Now move on down to verse 12. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> One thing I want you to note <clears throat> is the plurality, that there needs to be a plurality of leaders. So when you look at elders, for instance, there's always elders. It doesn't say one man is an elder or a pastor of a church. There are multiple men that serve. That's the way Paul did it back in Acts 14. That's exactly what Moses does in the Old Testament. And we're looking at the covenant that the church has with the people. You know, each, each individual member, you are a part of a family. You're a part of the church. You're part of the body of Christ. And so in order to be led, there has to be a, a it would be great to have a plethora of men that could step up and lead. And so when we have elders, there's always more than one. Uh, I heard an elder once say, well, if there was a two-man eldership, and one of them said, well, if he dies or steps down, I don't have to because Christ is the good shepherd of the church, and so therefore there's always a plurality. And I would disagree with that. I think there needs to be two men at least to serve in a church. Uh, it's good to have uh, several men, if possible, to shepherd the church. You never know. We've, in the time that I've been here, we've had um, two elders that have passed away that were serving at the time. And that happens. Sometimes it is, uh, it's, we prepare for it, and sometimes we don't know. And so it's always good to have men that, um, several men that are ready to serve. Yeah, Terry? No, I like, I like the congregation being involved. I believe that that is absolutely the way that it should be done. Because when you look in Acts chapter 6, I know they're not called elders and deacons. But in Acts 6, when they're looking for men to serve, the apostles say, we need men to serve. They said, you choose some men. And they give some qualities. And they appoint seven men there in the text that are supposed to wait on tables and help the widows. So the congregation must absolutely be involved. I think we need... It, it, you. Uh, when you are serving at a church, <clears throat> you should want the congregation to be involved. I'll give you a personal example, okay? Uh, when the elders asked me to be the pulpit minister here at Somerdale, I was the youth minister. When they asked me to serve in the pulp as the pulpit minister, I said I would be more than happy to, but I wanted them to talk to you first. And so they talked to the deacons, and then we had a congregational meeting, and they asked, if there's any reason why Ray shouldn't serve as a minister of the church, we want you to know. And thank goodness we got a favorable response. I appreciate that. I really do. I hope that every year you go, we're glad we have him, because I'm glad to be here. But the idea is the congregation should be involved in the process. So when, let's say we have an elder, like now we have an elder or a man that's, that comes forward and says, I'd like to serve. 
the elders say, okay, it should come before the congregation to look at those qualities, to uh, examine the individual uh, and say, okay, they meet that. And if you don't have shepherds and you don't have deacons, uh, it needs to be something you're striving for and the church needs to be involved. Uh, I think it would be extremely foolish. It's, it's the same thing like if a man, <laughs> as an example, if, uh, if I came home and rolled up into the driveway with a new Corvette, first of all, Missy would be like, Where'd you get the money? <laughs> but if I did that, I would be foolish. I would be foolish to make a decision for my family based on whatever my needs are. So same thing for the church. Uh, the elders and deacons need to be involved in the process, but the congregation also needs to be involved. You need to look at those qualities, take that checklist, and make sure that those qualities are met. It's a good question. Yes? That's a good question. Uh, it is really good to have an odd number. It really is. Uh, and one of the reasons why I think that is is because, like you said, there are sometimes ties and the eldership. Sometimes personality can lead to. I think it is a very good thing. But not always is there a plurality. I will say this. Um, I was at a congregation that had an even amount. And there were times I didn't realize what they were doing until I got a little more mature and a little more um, grounded in my role as the preacher. But they would call me into meetings and ask me what my thoughts were, and I would share my thoughts. And after some years went by, I realized what they were doing was they were calling me to break the tie. And I know that the preacher should be involved in making decisions. There are times he needs, he's the, he's the quarterback, if you will, of the church. He is the mouthpiece of the congregation. But um, the elders shouldn't be make, or the, the minister should not be making all the decisions or a majority of the decisions. This is a dangerous thing. So, um, so if the elders call me in and ask me my opinion, that's great. But I shouldn't be called in to break the tie. Um, hopefully, prayerfully, uh, when decisions are made, uh, there can be a, uh, after some consideration and some questions, the tie can be broken. Um, but yeah, it does become difficult, yeah. It does. And I do love it, too, when, when uh, elderships will prayerfully make a decision and not have to make it immediately. They can, they can pray about it, they can focus on it, and then maybe when you come back together, you can see the other person's point of view. Um, and, but you're not always going to have an odd number. It's, it is sometimes difficult. In fact, I've seen churches where they've had an even number, and they'll appoint somebody, and then somebody will step down. Or they'll appoint an even or an odd number, and somebody will pass away. So it's not, it's not uh, required, but it does help. It does help. Uh, and so I think with deacons, with looking at these qualities, there are specific things that we're looking for. If there is someone who uh, is willing to serve in a ministry and they're already doing the job, Paul says something very telling. He says, let them first be tested. And I think that good deacons are men that are already serving. I think the same thing true with elders. If there are men who are uh, doing the things that are listed here, they're visiting, they're hospitable, they're kind, they're gentle, they're not uh, quarrelsome, they're already meeting those qualities, uh, we should never as a church, and this is another thing about it's good to have an odd number, but don't appoint somebody just to have an odd number. I told a guy here just at the preacher's forum, I said, I would rather have no elders than bad elders. <laughs> it's better to have nobody in that position than to have some that are making just boneheaded, terrible, awful, horrible, unscriptural decisions. So when we, if we don't have it, that's okay. We can work through it. But when it comes to these men, they should already have the role uh, basically uh, as a part of their DNA. 
I, I don't like uh, personally looking at what they did in Acts 6. I know they're not called deacons, but it's a great example. Uh, it is uh, somewhat foolhardy to say, we need, we need deacons. Who wants to be a deacon? You want to be a deacon? You want to be a deacon? You want to be a deacon? We got, here's, we got 10 deacons. All right. Let's see. You're over youth. Well, I don't really like the youth. Well, you're over youth. Well, you need a youth deacon. You're going to be the youth deacon. Let's see. Do you know how to drive? Transportation deacon right here. Transportation deacon. Anybody ever been a teacher before? Right over here. You're now the deacon of education. That's foolish. Extremely foolish. What we should do, according to Paul, is when there are men who are, are fulfilling a role, they're passionate about something, looking back at Dr. Luke, Acts chapter 6, we need men to serve tables. I don't think they grabbed somebody and said, uh, you can serve the table. No, they looked at men and said, this is a guy who's already serving table. This is a guy, if you look at the words, or not the words, the, the names of those seven men they choose, they choose Hellenistic, Gentile converted Jews. Why did they do that? Because the issue that they had in Jerusalem was that they were not ministering to the Hellenistic widows. So this is great leadership. You know, let's say somebody complains. I, you know, Tim comes and he says, you know, I got a problem. We, with the education department here at the church is not what it should be. I've noticed some of the class books are not what they should. I think we could do a little better with our um, curriculum. A good eldership goes, you're probably right about that. You take over next Sunday. You see, if there's somebody who's passionate about something, then you've got a solution. You got a problem, you got a solution, you're in charge. Uh, there's a little more to it than that, but if you're passionate about something, that's what you do. If we're looking for, and I'm going to show you a list here in a minute of certain roles to be filled, we need to find people that are already passionate about those ministries. Yeah, Louis? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, if you say it, you might have somebody like me who goes, great, you're in charge. Um, that, is sure, that is a surefire way to cut down on criticism. I promise you that. Uh, oh, you think that's a problem? Great, you're the new head of whatever. Um, but there are certain roles in the church that need to be filled. And I want to share with you, uh, some of you may actually have this. Um, anybody remember, whoop, I bounced too quick. All right. Anybody remember <clears throat> seeing this? Anybody seen these? If you don't have one, there's a whole box back here, okay? And it's already outdated. It's kind of like the church directory. Church directory, we all take pictures and, you know, we pose and we fill out stuff and we, everybody gets, well, the great thing we do is it's not a whole new directory. It's just a three-hole punch sheet, so you can put it in the other directory, which is awesome. Otherwise, we'd be printing these things every week and handing out new ones because we have so many new people coming in. But the elders asked me to do this the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. And I, I worked with um, the deacons at the time and with the elders at the time to be able to put together a list of all the ministries of the church that we were involved in. Uh, and it's already, some of them are obsolete. Uh, one of the reasons is because we had at that time, I think, seven or eight deacons, and they're not here anymore. So um, these ministries were the ones that were listed. Uh, attendance ministry. Uh, at that time, uh, Joe served as a deacon. He's an elder now, but as a deacon, he actually was part of that attendance ministry. He still takes role. Um, we have a benevolence ministry. Wayne does a great job. Uh, he is probably the best deacon, I'm just going to tell you, 
of benevolence I've ever worked with. You can call him, you can text him, he's on the ball. We run that little Good Samaritan house over here with, with groceries. He meets people, even though he's working a job, he meets them when he can. And I love that. I appreciate you, Wayne, for doing that. Great deacon of benevolence. And so when people have a need, he's there to meet it. And that's one of the things that's listed in here as a ministry of the church. Uh, building and grounds. Again, we, we, somebody's got to maintain the property. And uh, somebody's got to take care of little odds and ends. And I know for a long time we've run Ben Ragged coming up here doing stuff uh, all the time. Uh, he's got some men that he now uses to help him accomplish that. But he does a fantastic job. When uh, we're asking for certain things to be done, he is ready uh, to go. In fact, I have back in times past... Uh, had to call him or call Charles and say, how do you fix this baptistry? And had to help get that together. But he does a great job of that. He's up here all the time. Um, cleaning and communion. Again, that was some, that's something that we do as a church family. Uh, we have, uh, we have uh, Joe and Ruth Ann help to clean the building. Uh, but there are times that we have, have to get help with getting communion ready. And you'll see in just a little bit. Oh, it's already here. All right. So you'll see these trays come out. So somebody's taking care of that. Um, education ministry. Uh, we lost our deacon over that ministry, so uh, currently uh, we have, we, we've pulled together and done the best we can to make sure curriculum is done. A lot of that comes from the office. Christy does a great job of ordering that curriculum, making sure the teachers get it. Uh, Brandon, it, of course, this is his last day, but he's supposed to be a part of that process. And so it would be great if we had someone in that role uh, as, as our deacon over that has, has left us. Uh, evangelism and outreach is another role uh, from, uh, for a deacon that was, uh, has now vacated that position. So we need to have somebody that can help lead evangelistic efforts. We're talking about helping me in doing um, personal Bible studies. And I will say this again. I say this a lot, but I need you to hear it. I'm saying this too for the internet folks that are watching. I love, love. You want to give me something for Christmas or my birthday, right? I love Bible studies. If you will send me somebody that wants to study the Bible, I will do it immediately. be the top of my priority list because I love studying the Bible with people. So if you know anybody or you yourself have a need to study something, please let me know. I'll help whatever way I can. Uh, lads to leaders. Uh, we don't, we, I, I serve over that. I'm not a deacon. I'm the minister, but I serve over that ministry. It'd be great to have help going to conventions. The meal train, we do that. That's a great ministry. Men's service, we currently don't have a deacon over that. Tyler does a great job on Sunday mornings uh, helping to get men organized. Uh, for a long time, Hunter was doing that on Wednesday night. I've taken that back, but, but we, need, we need men that'll help in organizing. Missions, uh, Owen Farley did a great job checking up on our missionaries. They've now moved to Pensacola. So we have that ministry where there's no leader. So our elders are making sure and checking up on missionaries or the staff is making sure that their needs are met. Prayer ministry, that's something that Casey does. Casey's not a deacon, but he serves as the leader of our prayer ministry. And we're going to be having a men's prayer breakfast next Saturday. If you like pancakes, you like bacon and eggs and coffee, you need to be here next Saturday morning. We're going to have a great time. Uh, then uh, technology, audio, visual. Again, that's something that Casey does. Steve's doing a great job up there too. Uh, I know there are other men that go up there and help from time to time in that booth. Uh, Brandon will be up there uh, at times to help. We have a whole bunch of people that come and, and, and are involved. Christy puts together the presentations, but there are people up there that run that and the sound, which is great. Ken's been up there a lot working, so good stuff. Uh, transportation. Again, we lost the deacon over that ministry, so we need someone to help us maintain the church vans. Uh, 
Uh, Michael went out there and cleaned them this last week, and as my oldest son used to say, it was vomitrocious. So uh, we need people that can help maintain those, clean them, make sure the oil's changed, stuff like that. Uh, ushers and greeters, security. Buddy does a great job of making sure our guys are ready, uh, secure, organizing that, and uh, it was always a good thing to have men that are ready to serve in that capacity. Visitation is another one that was vacated. Uh, we, every, a, striving, a church that is striving to be like the New Testament church needs to be a visiting church. We need to uh, visit regularly people. Some churches do Monday night for the master, or they'll do a, a Brother's Keeper style visitation ministry. That'd be great. As for youth, uh, Tim Ryder serves as our deacon of youth, working alongside the youth minister. And of course, uh, Brandon is leaving. We'll be looking for a new youth minister, <clears throat> but that's important. All of those are in that booklet. And so we really appreciate our guys who serve. Again, Wayne and Ben and Buddy and Tim serve as our four deacons, but we can always use more. There are other ministries that could be available to us. Uh, some of those like uh, dividing up the children in K through 6, 7 through 12, college ministry, young adults, an involvement ministry, making sure with a person placed membership, they're able to use their talents immediately. A handyman ministry. We've got a lot of widows, a lot of widowers in the church that at a moment's notice may need help in getting something done, whether it be building a ramp. I was listening to somebody, well, actually, just today on the phone. So some people may need a ramp that's built, or they may need a, a, a rails in their house to get around, or they may need somebody to come over and fix a leaky pipe. And by the way, it's going to get colder. You need to make sure you get those pipes wrapped in about a month, because uh, it will get cold. And so that's something good for a handyman ministry. Uh, fellowship ministry, somebody who's in charge of the calendar for the fellowship meals, making sure that the gym, uh, uh, the activity room is all taken care of. Um, seniors and snowbirds. I know Ben takes care of the rock and rollers, uh, but we would love to have somebody that can, can say, I would like to help in, um, in that ministry. Uh, women's ministry, Spanish ministry. We, do y'all know we have a Spanish church right here? Marco Toledo leads. We have a Hispanic church that meets right here behind our building. They don't do Sunday morning, but they do Sunday night and Wednesday night services. It would be great if we had someone who could go over there from time to time and check in and make sure that they have their needs met. Uh, midweek service, that's what Hunter was doing. Junior leaders, hospitality ministry. We need people greeting. We need, we need to have people out there and back here every service. Social media ministry. Y'all like the internet, the websites, social media? We do that. The staff does that. Make sure that those are updated. It would be great if somebody said, I'd like to help. Uh, widows and widowers ministry, a singles ministry. And the list goes on and on of things that we could do but we need men that are willing to serve. And so I'm going to plant this little bug. Every, everybody in here, be praying that we have men who are willing to serve in these or many other capacities. I don't think a church can have too many deacons. I just don't think so. And so we want to be able to make sure that we have enough people uh, to serve in every area of the church. And then last but not least, I know our bell's rung, we need good, we need good ministers. We need men who can preach the word of God, that will stay away from wickedness and pursue righteousness. We need soul winners. Uh, we have a lot of uh, orators in the church from time to time. We hire somebody because he speaks well, and that's good. I like a good communicator as much as the next guy. But we need ministers that are soul winners, that are out trying to reach the lost. So just kind of give you a list of those specific things. I hope that helps. It's definitely something we don't talk about a lot. But let's be, and again, be in prayer for our elders and deacons. Respect, have a lot of respect. Uh, Paul uses the term 
there. But also, uh, the Hebrew writer uses it three times in uh, Hebrews 13 about honoring, respecting our leaders, and be in prayer for them. Let them know that they are loved and that their job is difficult. And I'll tell you, if you do nothing else, love on our elders' wives and tell them how much you appreciate them too. They need it. All right. That's all we have time for this morning. So you got a few minutes here, and we'll get started with worship. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.